and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 302. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be concluding Star Trek Lower Decks' second season with the episodes Wedge Douge and First First Contact. Here we go. Wedge Douge, Season 2, Episode 9, original release date, October 7th, 2021. Directed by Bob Suarez, written by Catherine Lynn. Guest cast include Robin Atkin Downs as Tog and Klingon Officers, John Curry as Maha, Colton Dunn as Dorg, Rich Fulcher as Rebner and Packlid Lower Deckers, Mark Evan Jackson as Vulcan, Jessica Lau as Tagai, Jessica McKenna as Barnes, Nolan North as Sokel and Starfleet Cadet, Gabriel Ruiz as Talin, Carl Tart as Kayshawn, and Carrie Walgren as Vulcan Officer. In the mess hall, the Lower Deckers are discussing what to do with their new free time. Boimler laments over his lack of socialization with senior officers, and Tendi suggests he make use of the time to make new such friends. As such, Boimler wonders about serving on ships with built-in social structures, such as those belonging to the Vulcans or Klingons. The Packlets appear to have Klingon weaponry. Primary shields are failing. Captain, the project I have been working on is a regenerative shield amplifier. I believe it may help. This has not been tested. If it damages the coupling, we would be left unprotected. It is logical to use it now, considering there are no alternatives. My instinct tells me it will work. Implement the program. Yes, yes. The destruction of two enemy ships will bring me much glory. These are not our enemies. Does the High Council know of your actions? The High Council lacks foresight. They will change their minds when the battle begins. Shields are increasing. This is highly improbable, Captain. They are now at 120%. Disabled the Packlet ship. Steve is the only one among us who has studied Klingons, so you can kick us off on... <laughs> episode nine of season two. Yeah, and by studying Klingon, it's uh, reading through a book 35 years ago on the topic. But <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I looked over my notes leading up to this and once again marveled at how much they can fit in a 20 some minute episode because they're not only uh, like oodles of jokes and, you know, funny ones and, and, and clever references and whatnot, but also, you know, something to say and character development and so forth. So, um, I, I enjoyed this. It's, it's something different. And so it's a little different inter obviously in terms of seeing these different cultures, uh, how the, uh, you know, basically, uh, it's a study in class, you know, class structure, but in different cultures in a sense. So, um, we, we visit the, the Klingons, the Vulcans, um, uh, obviously our own ship, but, uh, we get peeks at the Packlids as well, tongue in cheek and the Borg at the tail end. And, um, I, I think it's a lot of fun and they tie them all together. So again, again, the, the, the strength of this show is, finding a way to juggle a lot of a lot of information, a lot of references, a lot of jokes and story and character development, and then bringing it all together um, at, at the end. So um, 
yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was like a, a fun, something, something a little different, but still um, playing to the strengths of the series overall. Both of these last, these last two episodes are a little more, I don't know, slightly more traditional kind of episodes, less, maybe slightly less about the jokes and uh, slightly more about the kind of plotting and stuff than we usually see on this show, but it still works, even if they're not quite as laugh a minute as we've seen in some others, and at least for me. Uh, Adam, your, your first thoughts here? Yeah, Brian, um, I totally agree with your assessment. They felt, uh, yeah, they felt a little more structured in, in the way they put things together. And they, you know, they were pushing, pushing a more of a story arc um, in these last two episodes, and we'll get into more of that arc when we get into the next episode. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Steve, as well. They're able to cram so much in here. I mean, if you think about this episode, I mean, it's if you had to say it was about one of the main characters, I would say Boimler. But I mean, most of the focus is on the other lower deckers, you know, the Vulcans, the Klingons, and how um, how all these storylines tie together um, with the Sorrento. So um, it was, yeah, I mean, as usual, they're, they're able to cram a lot in and do it without feeling like it's too much or too little. So it's, um, it's always a pleasure to kind of, it's like you said, Brian, it, it felt more like a traditional star trek episode but it still worked because you had like the it was just less comedy like you know they were a little less over the top they had their their, their moments in there but yeah I, I agree with both the words that you've said i enjoyed that running gag of uh you know seeing the lower decks on the klingon bird of prey and the vulcan cruiser and then eventually the pack led and then of course that hilarious Borg uh, cube lower decks where <laughs> nothing happens. It's the same the lower decks are the same of the upper decks <laughs> uh, over the end credits, which I don't think we've ever seen a, a sort of scene during end credits before. That was funny. And I, I guess we could assume that we're going to see these lower deckers again. You know, they kind of set that up with the what was the Vulcan's character's name, Steve? Yeah, it certainly felt that that way with uh, Talin. Was that it? Yeah, that's it. And they did hint at that. I watched the extras on the the Blu-ray, and they hinted it that that she'll be back. Yeah, you know, we get a little more intrigue of like what the Klingons are doing. It's kind of more of a traditional plotline and track. You know, <laughs> I, can, I can see that we're, that we'll follow that that character will show up again as well. That new Klingon captain went straight from lower decks to uh, <laughs> captain. So it works on right, the Klingon right. ship, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to get really. Uh, intricate in the study of kind of class structure in these cultures, you know, there's, there's upward mobility in, in something like a Klingon culture, a lot more risk maybe, but um, the upward mobility possibilities are a lot higher than in a culture like the Balkans or even the humans, right? Oh, was that the same thing in the mirror universe? Could anybody challenge the captain to be captain? I have not read have the rules on the etiquette specifically yeah. for that, but. Uh, or maybe you already had to be a certain level. You can only go up like one level at a time. Or right, something. right. Because then there wouldn't be many people left on the ship if you started it as an ensign. You yeah. Had some <laughs> yeah, to kind of balance that. Yeah. Can I order a Ritos shirt too? That's fine. Ritos. I, I assume that was supposed to be kind of a reference to Discovery, actually. Right. 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 <laughs> Discovery yeah. t-shirts, that's what it looked like. The climb a rock. Go climb a rock. Oh, yeah. That was uh, Star Trek Five. Yeah, not just <laughs> climbing the rock and the gravity boots, but he actually had to wear the shirt. <laughs> I don't recall that was the same font, but that's definitely exactly what Kirk's shirt said. 
some of the jokes and stuff. Of course, the, I don't know. The Packlet stuff just doesn't stop being funny. I mean, they just find new things to do with them, like the the bomb that they can use again, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> or the lower deckers in their conversation. I mean, it's it's all hilarious. Who um who played the Klingon commander? I mean, I thought he was hilarious. The just way over the exact over exaggeration just kind of worked. I'm not 100% sure. There's someone named John Curry playing a lead Klingon role. That may be him. Yeah, whoever it was, he was good. It cracked me up. Um, you know, even the animation, just the wild um, exaggerations, you know, kind of this old school Klingon who just, you know, wants to go rogue and do his own thing. So it was fun. The Targ seems to have chosen sides. <laughs> I don't remember him being that cute either. <laughs> <laughs> Past the arm, it was beautiful and glorious. <laughs> they were all from Hawaii until they were all from the moon, except right. for Boimler, who said he was from Modesto. I guess I could have asked this as a trivia question, but I didn't. But I only know of one person from Modesto. You guys, who comes to mind when you say Modesto? Uh. Well, this is a Star Trek podcast, not a Star Wars podcast. George Lucas was from Modesto, and American Graffiti, that was... Uh, that was based on his teenage years in oh, Modesto, right. right? That sounds okay. familiar now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm more familiar with the John Hughes stuff. Being I once I was driving once from San Francisco to Fresno, and I went slightly out of my way just so that I could drive. I mean, not that far. I think it was like 20 minutes or 30 minutes longer the way I went. But just so that I could drive through Modesto to say that I went through Modesto. <laughs> I didn't see any drag uh, area where they would have run their cars up and down the drag all day. But, you know, <laughs> I have driven through Modesto. So are, are they saying that, that this Klingon captain who was killed in this episode, he was the one helping the Packlets all along earlier in this show? That's kind of what I, I don't know if they explicitly say it, but I, I think that may be the, what they're trying to say. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I like the characters in this show. They've, I mean, they've grown on me. They don't have a lot of development, but I don't think it's any less than we see in a normal show. But I, I like all these characters. I mean, all the, the Lower Deckers and even the, the bridge folks. Well, they're good at giving us in snippets. The, the, that's kind of the, the greatness about their writing. You're right, Brian. You know, it's not like we have a whole episode about um, Rutherford or Boimler that just kind of delves straight into all that character. But we get snippets each each episode has something more that we learn about at least one of the the main characters and we you know we'll get more of that in the next episode but yeah it's such a it's such a like real thought out world and their lives and yeah. it's it's such an amazing balance between still being an animated show with all this humor and the exaggeration and still finding its way to live inside of this star trek reality that we love i it's nutty. You know, we get some nice moments with um, Mariner and Captain Freeman. You know, their mother-daughter. Obviously, they're fighting the whole time, but at the end, you know, it's it's a nice moment. Like, I enjoyed my time. So did I. Yeah. So that's a, that's the little snippets of character development that we get. I think that's what I was talking about. What is this episode about? Well, it definitely has a, a theme of um, kind of class structure. You know, obviously, you know, this show is Lower Decks. We get a look at, you know, what it's like to do the current jobs and that kind of thing. And we see that in different cultures as well with the Vulcans and the Klingons. These are all things that we kind of know have known being Star Trek fans for all these years, how it kind of works. But it's nice to see it, um, you know, on paper and screen. 
also about um, you can be more than what you are. Obviously, we see that from both the Vulcan and Klingon character. They both um, exceed the um, expectations of them to become more. Um, it's a little less obvious. The Klingons, it's a little less obvious because, you know, he's kind of goofy and he's small. But, yeah, he, he, he uses honor, really, to get to his position. And um, uh, the Vulcan, I'm sorry, I don't know, can't remember their names. But, yeah, she uses logic to the highest degree to get to – well – I think she's going to get to where she wants to be, but she doesn't realize it now. She's being forced to go work with um, humans. She did seem exceptionally emotional, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, even more than the emotional Vulcans we've seen. Uh, Steve, what do, you, what do you got for what it's about? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's something like the... I mean, it's class structure. It's also this notion of the young always replace the old, right? In some way, shape, or form, in all cultures, that takes place. It's just what what is the form of that revolution? What what is the what is what form does that take? You know, and so you have these very uh, very different cultures of Balkans and Klingons, and and I I mean I th- you know that choice was made because we all know Balkans and Klingons, but it's also a good kind of like. Uh, extreme situations, in a sense, if you cause, because it's all based on on humans and, the, and what we feel and how we live, right? The 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 logic and the structure versus the the passion and the emotion and so forth. And so we see what how that might take it take form in that that revolution, that you know replacement of young and old, and you know fighting against a, what came before you in those two different cultures. And I think that, I think that's what basically it's having, having to say. Let's do six degrees for wedge douge. Uh, Steve, Talin quotes Spock with logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Who did Spock say this to? Hmm. Good grief. It's very familiar, but do you need a hint? I can tell you if, where if you'll provide from. one. Sure came from Star Trek movie. Savick? Nope. Okay. That would have been a great second guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam? He said it to himself. Nope. It was Valeris in Star Trek VI. Ah. In his quarters. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Logic. Logic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> First First Contact, Season 2, Episode 10, original release date, October 14th, 2021. Directed by Jason Zurich, written by Mike McMahon. Guest cast include Lysia Knopf as Captain Sonia Gomez, Phil Lamar as Freeman and Archimedes' first officer, Lauren Lopkus as Jennifer Shreyan, Jim Piddock as Mandel, Ryan Ridley as Bajoran Ensign, Paul Shear as Andy Billups, and Carl Tart as Kayshawn. <laughs> Freeman has been offered a promotion, which will take her off the Sorrentos. Mariner, overhearing this, spreads the word to the senior staff who begin to bicker with Freeman. Meanwhile, the Sorrentos is assigned to assist the USS Archimedes in its first contact mission, where a solar flare results in the Archimedes losing power and pulled into a planet's gravity well. All the while, Rutherford begins having trouble with his cybernetic implant, which is running out of storage space, and he admits to Billups that he make triple backups of his memories of Tendi. To the captain! No, no, no. To the Cerritos! Yeah! The Cerritos, they love you! Captain, 
a team from Starfleet Command is requesting to come aboard. That was fast. Permission granted. Escort them to the senior conference room. If they were impressed with you before, whew, today must have sealed the deal. Hey, nobody deserves a recognition more than you, Mom. Nothing would make us prouder than seeing you move up to bigger and better. Maybe bigger, but never better. I'm turning down the transfer. What? But Captain, you've been working so hard for this. Yeah, well, maybe a little too hard. It blinded me to what I already have right here on the Cerritos. What good would a new ship be without the best crew in the fleet? Mom, no way! Come on, let's go tell them they wasted their trip. Captain, Captain, I drew the banners! It was Boiler! It was Boiler! Adam, kick us off on first first contact. I kind of think this is a bit more of a traditional episode as well as the last episode was it 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 has funny moments don't get me wrong but it it's an episode that's really pushing plot lines here and you know the first of those is we get from captain freeman they've they've hinted at over the first two seasons that she's kind of feels like she could do more she can be one of those you know a captains that gets the first contact missions and all and all all you know the kirk cisco type captain so you know early on in the episode you know we get the hint that you know she's going to be moving up to a bigger class ship and she's going to be going on her own obviously mariner overhears this and is not happy about that because you know what we've learned about the relationship it's a very much a love-hate relationship between freeman and mariner so we got that going on we get more insight and in, you know the rutherford tindy relationship it's kind of been a subplot that's been going on throughout this you know series how much they really do care about it you know it's one of those are they going to get together are they not going to get together and um you know we see how much rutherford you know he actually cares about her because he's triple triple backups because he lost his memory in the in the last episode of the first season so we get a lot and then we get a little snippet of what what's been happening to how he became a cybernetic Starfleet officer, so I guess that'll be carrying over into season three. So that that moved the plot along. There's a, I feel like there's still a lot that we don't know about Mariner because you know obviously she's has this this past in Starfleet where she was did a lot of missions. You know she's knows Riker and that kind of thing, and those are things that we kind of haven't quite quite found out why she's in the lower decks, what's kind of happened to her. So we get a little bit more snippets of that. So like what Steve was saying about the last episode, there's so much going on. And by the way, they're taking apart the ship and they're transversing this um, cloud of plasma and going to save, you know, the Archimedes. So um, it's, it's still amazing to me how much they pack in and how much story they're able to tell in a limited amount of time. So I, I really enjoyed it as a season ending episode and it's, you know, there's a lot to take into season three. Steve? Yeah, so I think I think it definitely feels like a season ending episode and they do the traditional cliffhanger, you know, kind of moment like old school trek and this kind of thing. I do think that they're pushing the envelope a bit in terms of what it, it almost felt like it's too plot it, it's too much plot. There's too much there's too much uh, narrative they want to advance at the expense of what the show feels like in this episode. And yeah, I mean, I don't think it's bad. I think they kind of earned the right to do this kind of episode, given what we've seen from them. But I do feel like it's, and the reason I think that one of the, one of the moments was it, it felt like I'm just kind of like, okay, it's plot, 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 plot. And then we get to the dolphin jokes and then it's like, Oh, this is oh funny. That's, that's okay. This is something, you know, and then it, it took me out and realized, man, how, what was the last time we had a funny moment here? Was it like five minutes ago? Because usually it's like every 20 seconds or something. And so sure. I think that speaks to pace being such a, such an important thing with these, with these kinds of shows, you know, like 
you know, you can advance character and have your plot, but you need to have this kind of rhythm and keep it up or it's easy to fall, kind of fall to the wayside in terms of where you go with it. But I, I, I was entertained by it and I, I do commend them for doing something that's like a, a legitimate cliffhanging season ending episode with a whole lot of big stuff going on, which I think they earned the right to do. That action scene, them flying through the debris, I mean, that was, mm-hmm. that was very big. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly well done. But yeah, I, I got that sense too. Like everything I said about the, the previous one, you know, it, this one, it's it's one step further, one degree less jokes, one degree more plot than even the previous episode. And yeah, maybe this one is kind of showing us kind of the limit. I sure as heck would never want them to go any farther than this, and I wouldn't want this to be their standard. Uh, if they do this, you know, once or twice a season, I'm happy. That's that's cool. But it's just, it's just barely pushing the barriers of what the show has defined itself to be that we seem to really like. But it's still good. I mean, it's still good. It's still got character stuff. It's still got jokes. There's some fun stuff in there. The music scores in the last two episodes has been really cinematic, especially in the you know the action scenes. I forgot to mention that for the last. Yeah, it was episode. definitely the. Was this the? No, the previous one, the the space battle with the different ships, there was definitely some James Horner influence there. They were trying to, you know, touch on that on the Horner stuff from Star Trek two and three a little bit, clearly. But yeah, I felt the 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 score in this one was good too. It's more cinematic. I mean, I, yes, you know, were saying they didn't, it wasn't quite as James Horner in this episode, but you know, they had a very cinematic sound feel. You know how I've always like I always try to point out at least one moment that made me laugh out loud. I didn't do that in the last discussion, and I can't really do it in this one. There, there were bits that made me chuckle, but I'm not sure there was a the usual kind of laugh out loud in these two. Um, you know, you were speaking to you know how this episode kind of pushed the limits. I and I think it's okay because it's a season ender, like you mentioned, Steve. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you know, if they had done this in the middle of the season, it might have felt out of place, and it kind of just kind of comes down to rhythm. You know, they built up a lot. They were able to build up a lot of these plot lines and just kind of culminated in here. And I guess the true test of this episode will be, you know, how season three turns out, how they're able to kind of develop the things that they've set up in this episode going into season three. I automatically love uh, any episode that has space dock in it. (laughs) It opens with a shot of space dock. So that means I'm going to like it. I like uh, (laughs) Mariner's thoughtful analysis about um, Captain's Day. It's a vanity holiday to trick kids into respecting authority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is like, yes, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> and the dolphin's commentary is like, no, that's for calves. <laughs> <laughs> See, it has jokes. This episode yeah. has jokes. You really think that Rutherford and Tendy it's hinting about a will they won't they with them getting together romantically? Because I don't, I don't feel that way. I, I feel like they're really good friends. I feel friendship and not a romantic thing but i don't know you could definitely be right i mean the only thing that kind of hints at that is like he triple recorded her memories that's that's what kind of leads it to that it's a little bit more than than friendship they certainly seem to be implying um something more than friendship between mariner and the that andorian helmsman i guess sure the one that saves her call me i'm I'm, call me crazy but maybe i'm boimler and the the new um, Lower Decks Vulcan. We'll see. That's, I'm, put, I'm just going to throw that out there. That's my prediction for season three. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, and it's not out of the ordinary to kind of do so romance. I mean, they're kind of all, they're young, young single people. So it's, um, 
it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could explore some relationship. Yeah, if the sense, in a sense, if the writers are kind of teasing us, you know, that that's that's good writing. I mean, if you have all sorts of possibilities, it makes you wonder, you know, about different, you know, so that's cool. We haven't spoken of uh, Sonia Gomez and the Next Gen reference, have we? Or yeah. A relatively ob- obscure, you know, one shot, what, second season or something like that? And she was, uh, in, she was in two episodes in the second season. Okay. The first yeah, time we ever saw her, I think, is there's a reference to that here because she spills some coffee or something or Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. spills something on Picard, right? Yes. And uh, I think she's referencing that in that moment. Mm -hmm. Now then she was an ensign, uh, but you know, here she's a captain and that's what that bit was about when the, uh, when that other, that ensign tripped or something. Yeah. And she said, Oh, I've done far worse in front of, you know, more intimidating people. So that's fun. Such an inside thing, something that you, you know, if you only had, you had to watch all of it and probably more than once to, really pick up on that you know so that that's fun they brought her back so at the end so freeman is being charged with helping the Packlids or the klingons is it just plan a bomb or plan a bomb i don't think they know the klingons are involved at all they just they just said she planted the bomb oh planted the bomb on the Packlid ship is that what they're saying on the Pla- Packlid homeworld. Um, homeworld yeah it kind of implied that the Packlid homeworld was destroyed that can't be right is it you didn't do that I now this wouldn't be n- nearly as holy crap as destroying Vulcan in the Kelvin universe, but right. <laughs> I wasn't thinking like this must be an alternate universe since yeah. Packlet is destroyed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but still, yeah, that's a big damn deal. It, it is a big deal, and that's what I took down in my notes that they implied that Packlet planet, quote unquote, is uh, destroyed. So they must be saying because there was that earlier not tonight's episodes but like a few episodes back where they were on the packlet homeworld mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah. implying that she did it then right perhaps so, so. i kind of thought they were implying that she gave the the bomb to the packlets in the previous episode so but that's why i was asking i assume they're gonna, we're going to get those details on our, on our next <laughs> our next podcast this episode's going up the day that season three premieres on paramount plus so our listeners might already know the answer to these questions <laughs> by the time they're listening to this and they're yelling at their speakers. Right. They'll be saying, what poor foresight <laughs> commentators have. They know nothing. What is this episode about? Well, it's hard to pinpoint exactly this. So there's so much going on in this episode. Like we alluded to, it's a cliffhanger season ending episode with just a lot of plot points driving um, this episode. It's going to pinpoint anything. I mean, you guess. I don't know. It's hard for me to say exactly what this episode is about because it's just driving all these plot points that they've been they've been messing with over the first season or two. So I kind of have nothing. Steve might have a little bit more insight. Yeah, you know, I kind of struggle to find something in particular too, which is common we've found for cliffhangers specifically. And um, I mean, it's it's really really hard to have an action oriented cliffhanger with a message, you know. And so I, I think I think. This was entertaining. I thought it stayed true to the show, more or less. As we alluded to, I wouldn't want to see them go beyond this in terms of the ratio of how, you know, the pace and whatnot. But uh, I, I, I do have trouble coming up with some kind of moral of the story or, or message for it, really. I mean, I guess you could say that the crew came together to save another, you know, it's about being a family 
in a lot of ways that they kind of came together. That just popped in my head. You know, they stripped the ship. They all worked together to to go beyond whatever anybody thinks of them. And so, I guess, coming together as a family. Yeah, that's true. They did that. And I think this may be one of these situations where we're holding the show to a standard now because it's so consistently good and ter- or, or true to itself, at least, that we're looking for this message. Like, oh, you know, it's not like this episode is a failure or something. No, it's true. just that it's not you know, quite the same as some of the others or quite at the level of some of the others, but they, but there's something to say, and it is spirited. They do all come together to do something very unconventional to solve a problem. And probably if we were, if that was a discovery episode, we'd say it's like the best episode of the whole series or something. I don't know what, you know, at the end Freeman, you know, decide before she's arrested, she does decide that she's going to say, stay on the Sorrentos because it's where she feels like her family is. And that's where she belongs. The Cerritos look cool without the hole plating, the, the like oranginess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, I enjoyed the little first contact reference. I mean, I don't know if they're like mm-hmm. consciously referencing, but you know, when when you do these things, I'm talking about the L cars, the way they pull the thing out and turn it. It's a little, it's a little thing, but these things are what you know make the universe real for for me. Yeah, consistency. Sort of consistencies, yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for first first contact. Adam? Yes. Leisha Naff reprises her role as Sonia Gomez. We last saw her as an ensign in Next Gen's second season episode, Samaritan Snare. What species was first introduced in that episode? Samaritans. Um, the Ferengi? Nope. Oh, that Ferengi were first introduced in the outpost, right? No, they were, yeah. You're correct. Armin Shimmerman, not playing Quark. Uh, Steve? Was it the Packlets? It was the Packlets. <laughs> I didn't even put that together until you asked I the know, question. that's why earlier, I, I don't think <laughs> you said something, you're like, I think you said, I don't know if that was in the pre-show or during this recording when you said, like, where do they pull these things out from? Whatever. <laughs> I almost said, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going to ruin my six degrees yeah. question. <laughs> so, yeah, I assume that's why they were thinking about her, is because uh, the only next-gen episode that had Packlets was her last appearance cool all right so steve takes it one nothing for the day that concludes lower decks second season you know any overall thoughts i might have about the season are very positive it's it's a damn good show i mean it really is great my thoughts haven't changed i really like this show and it's surprising that i like it this much but i do it's great agreed i thought the second season was better than the first so we'll see where it goes from here yeah We will do that in two weeks as we kick off the third season with its first two episodes. I'm excited. So, yeah, we're going to be doing Lower Decks Season 3, you know, sort of as it airs within a couple of weeks, which is how we've done, which is how we did that last season of Discovery. That seemed to work pretty well. So no chance of any spoilers (laughs) as as we go through Lower Decks third season for the next five episodes. So until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending half an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.